0: I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast from two brothers who watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. And on today's episode, we're watching an all-time classic, Stanley Kubrick's 2001, A Space Odyssey. And we are ecstatic to welcome our special guests on this episode of the pod, Sam Yoder, a.k.a. Silicon Boone, who has a space-themed album that you can stream right now, after you listen to this podcast, of course, on Spotify and Apple Music. And we invited Sam because 2001 is not only his favorite movie, when he rewatches it, it's an event for him, and he's kind of known for his love for this movie, right? Would you say that? Yes, we love talking favorite movies with our guests, and this is clearly his And uh,
1: we reached out because this podcast is an excuse to talk to guests that
0: we're interested in. And Sam is one of those. Hope you enjoy this conversation. We uh, talk all things 2001 and the existence of aliens and beyond, right? Movies are weirdly relevant and terrifying. Let's go ahead and cut to our conversation with Sam about 2001 already in progress. (laughs) Let's jump in, sleepyhead.
1: As you can see, I got Howl behind me right now. I love it. <laughs> Maybe proper proper lighting for our setup here.
0: All right, we're in. Mitchell, why don't you uh, get us going?
1: Our, our guest today on Movies While They Sleep, Sam Yoder of Silicon Boom fame. Sam, obviously, like you're a musician and you put out... I mean, you do a lot of stuff. From I, I've heard some Ferment interviews with you you know mm-hmm. i'm just aware of your stuff outside of just silicon Boone, but how i came to know who you are and your music was through that album the reaches put out mm-hmm. a couple of years ago right. a bunch of a bunch of friends of mine were just posting about it and i checked it out and it was just like what is this project and so um that's how that's how i became familiar with with your stuff and um i through that just following you on instagram i'd see you post from time to time about 2001 sure you know, as as just like the movie you watch every year, and this podcast has quickly just become an excuse to interview people that we find it interesting and talk sure. about their favorite movies. So we reached out about about this episode.
2: Yeah, a, a while ago actually, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is yeah. A great
2: just busy, busy. Yeah. We built a house this past year, and it's it's been crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were telling me about that, and and also a bit about the previous home theater setup. Which sounded Yeah,
2: so I'm I'm a, I'm I'm a, I don't know how I became a fan of movies or films or pictures, whatever you want to call them. I started out when I was a kid. I called them movies, and then and I've I've been calling them films, but lately, you know, I used to always think calling them pictures was so like
1: pretentious. But there's honestly, definitely levels of pretension with each one. Well, yeah, yeah
2: but the more I've realized it when I hear these directors and they what mm-hmm. they're really what they're really referring to is a single idea. Yeah which is why I understand why they call it a picture even though it's a 2 hour film or whatever it might be but for them there's an intellectual picture you know there's a there's a long process it might like in Kubrick's case it might take 4 or 5 years i think 2001 from the time it was conceived to the time it was executed and released was about 5 or 6 years but yeah but still in the end it's a single thought but yeah so i i Just on my own, I don't have any friends who even suggested it. I was like, I think I was, while I I was finishing my basement uh, at my old house in 2016, I googled 100-inch screen TV, and it was like, (laughs) what? There were all these projectors that came up. I mean, I didn't know anything about projectors or anything. I don't have any (laughs) experience with this. And so I call a buddy, his name's Bobby, who knows all about tech. And Bobby's like, yeah, you could set up your home cinema. And I'm like, well, what would five grand do me? And he's like, oh, do you a lot. And I was like, well, let's, let's do it. Five grand, right?
1: Man, that's the conversation I need to have with my wife. But, like, listen, but just but throw a number on the table. What what's is this funny
2: getting? is, and I told Bobby, I said, I want that, I want that to include labor, right? Yeah. Mm. He says, yeah, we can make that work. Bobby comes back. He's a sound guy. He comes back with a $500 projector and like a $3,500 surround sound. And I'm like, no. Uh-uh. Nice try. No, no, no. And I'm like, okay. So, and then things work out, you know, it was like, okay, I had trouble saying no to the surround sound. So I had to up my budget a little bit, but I found me a, a $2,500 projector that was on yeah. sale for 2000. Ooh. and. And it was a good projector. It was Epson. Yeah. It had like 500 to 1 ratio for contrast, which is hard to find with projection and it's deep wax. And so,
3: yeah. boy, did it I did. enjoy that
2: thing. And then we sold the house in 2020. And I I regretted doing that. Uh, and then I was like looking, because at the time I was like just a little bit over 40. And I'm like, well, I spent 10% of my life with a cinema.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And <laughs> I don't know how long it'll be before I give <laughs> me another one, you know? <laughs> but I got so addicted to it. Cause I love, I just love the experience of a screen that, uh, that you can't see past left or right, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was my assumption with projectors was always like, I, for for some reason in my head, they would always be a little like washed out or a little faded. Like and they just wouldn't quite hit like a real screen would, but I haven't, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole yet on what they could be at home. So,
2: well, no, when you, when you, when you buy a good one, they, I, I like them better than a TV. Mm. I like the flicker. I like the silver flicker you get Ugh. off of them. Yes. I really do. The physicality. Whatever that magic is. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I, guys, I use that thing God knows how many hours a week. Maybe <laughs> with didn't the use hippie
1: it, vibe. Yeah, I <laughs> didn't
2: use it to game, really. I mean, I gamed a little bit uh, just to experiment, but it wasn't really my thing. And I just watched film
0: Yeah. nonstop. Yeah. yeah, so one of the things we often ask our guests on this podcast is kind of those early formative movie experiences. So we, you, you've got your cinema, but what? Where did this start? Was the genesis of this love for? Oh the man, so I'm I'm behind the ball, which
2: hey, which has its strength, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once I realized that I loved cinema, I was well into adulthood. Yeah, and I had zero exposure. I hadn't seen Star Wars, nothing. Yeah, mm. and so I've been able to experience what most people experience growing up as an adult, which is which has its own, you know, its own like I don't know, its own little. Because I was born Amish, we, mm. and then when we left the Amish, we didn't have, we just weren't TV people. Yeah, not TV, not satellite, not movies. We ended I'd up. Imagine that's crazy. a tough
1: thing to like figure out quickly. Right away, well, coming we ended out. up
2: getting a VCR, and so we would occasionally watch. We would have like one movie, and we would watch it over and over again. You know, yeah. so I mean, as a kid, I think the the two movies we had that I can remember us watching there might have been more, but the only two I remember is Reno Williams. The adventure begins. I don't know why we had that movie. I think <laughs> that's like a rated R movie. You know, my parents were pretty strict, but we watched it. It may not be. It may be rated PG thirteen, but I remember there's a couple of cuss words, you know. Sure. Right.
3: It's got a playable title.
2: Yeah. I mean no one knows that movie because it was uh, obviously yeah. a dud. <laughs> but we loved it because <laughs> it was the only film we had. And then I think we had um we had a copy and it was a it was one of those cheat copies mm-hmm. uh of uh The Little Mermaid. Oh yeah. Wow. And that was it. So my first real introduction to a real film was probably The Mission by the Robert De Niro German yeah. Irons, yeah. 1984, maybe. And and that film was when I really was like, whoa, you know, it was an experience. I watched it probably 10 to 20 times. And then I, then I wow. discovered Dances with Wolves and yeah. had the same kind of res- response to it.
1: How old were you when you saw these movies?
2: 16, 17. I was old okay. enough to go to the movie
1: house and get a movie. Yeah. Okay. And then can I ask too, when you guys stepped out of the Amish lifestyle? Or the Amish life? Uh
2: nineteen eighty three and I would have been
1: six years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Wow. wow.
2: But you don't you know, you don't you can leave the Amish, but the Amish don't leave you.
1: <laughs> sure. For sure.
2: It's like if you guys ever hang out with first generation immigrants, yeah. The you know, the parents will speak the the mother tongue to the kid yeah. and the kid will speak English to the parent. You guys ever seen that?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That that was our that was our home. That was our entire upbringing. Was that? Yeah. Mm,
0: wow. We yeah. would speak yeah,
2: English I, to mom and dad, and they they still do. They speak still speak Dutch to us. Yeah.
1: Wow. I, I remember you saying on that uh, ferment podcast that yeah, some like the are just the kindred spirit with uh, ex Amish folk. Like yeah. when your parents are around ex Amish, it's like falling back into like oh, I know oh. you so well. Like
2: oh know. yeah, they let they let go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: as much as they there.
2: can yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah i would have been in my 20s probably i don't even know I it probably more my 30s when i realized i love, mm-hmm.
0: i really loved cinema yeah because i yeah.
2: i was more of a reader until then probably i guess
0: that's cool yeah i think mm-hmm. I, I i think we, and we've shared a little bit of our different movie journeys you know we grew up together we're brothers but you, you know i we didn't have anyone guiding us in in what sure. to watch, and so it was a little bit of discovery. And I think when we were both young adults, it was, oh, this is what's out there, and right. um, just kind of being pretty voracious viewers um, since since then. I think, right? Would you say, Mitchell? Uh, yeah,
1: I'd say our parents
0: were profoundly
1: uninterested in <laughs> <Sure>. movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. or or maybe not movies, but cinema. As we yeah. as we, yeah. we can make a delineation there,
2: right? As an art form, yeah, yeah,
1: yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think really right. any art form for them. They're <laughs> yeah. just not interested. I might cut down. Who knows? That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. No, it's good. Uh, so,
2: I mean, my yeah, mom we, occasionally sends me a song, and I'm like, "Mom, please." <laughs> I don't <laughs> even oh say gosh. anything to it. I'm it's classy. the goofiest song. How it's classic. the goofiest, corniest thing, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh god. And so I, and,
0: I, I have oh, these ahead. early memories of right, you know, when Netflix was the DVD service by mail, and you know, my mom, our mom, you know, she controlled the queue, and so we'd get some Netflix movie on DVD, and it would be like, you know, so, something I that was not interesting to watch. And then it would sit in our house for five months because nobody was going to watch it. And there was no, and then I'd say, Hey, can I send this back? I want to see such and such. And they're like, No, I'm going to watch it. I'm like, Mom, it's been here for, for the better part of a year. Please, please. <laughs> It'd be like Hitch.
1: It'd be Hitch.
2: But then
0: you're
2: like, paying no like $30 for one movie. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, $30 bucks a month to rent a movie.
1: But what's funny is she would have like Hitch or some rom com from the early 2000s, but then the next movie would be like The Matrix. And you're like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, there you go. What's the, uh, the trajectory here. <laughs> sure. But yeah, that's uh, tough. But like, so I play guitar and I played, you know, just like churches and stuff like that. Um, but so for years, my family, it was like the guitar magnets for Christmas or the guitar... You know, t-shirt. Like I like I know you play guitar. So here, look, here's a thing that's associated with that kind of like mm-hmm. Sam, I know you're a songwriter, so you gotta check out this song, man. It's it's so good.
3: <laughs> or I even now, my
2: parents know I'm a songwriter. I've told them I don't <laughs> think they recognize <rather> it.
1: <laughs> even now they'll they'll send me photos, like because I do graphic design work to be like. I took this photo of a sunset. It's pretty good, right? I'm like, you know.
2: <laughs> right, I'm going to tell you guys a story. This one alienates some of your listeners, no doubt, just because oh, some people don't get out of the box. But anyway, I released a, you know, I, le- I released a record in 2019. Yeah. And I shot a deer in 2019. I never shot a deer before. I don't really hunt. I don't enjoy it. I see, by the way, you're you're playing 2001 on the back there. I love it. <laughs> so uh, I I, you know, my buddy that hunts a lot, he's like, He was like, Hey, he was hunting on my land at the time. We had an extra farm, which we've sold, but I was out there with him and I just went to drink bourbon and I was like, okay, you know, so I shoot this deer, which I did enjoy the experience at all. It was like shooting a cow. It just like, it didn't mean anything to me. I'm like, so it's just standing there living. And then all of a sudden I killed it. You know? Um, and it's not like, I think I violated some great moral principle, but it just wasn't for me, but my buddy took the meat. So it was certainly used. And, I text my family. Well, I text my family when I release my record. Hey, family, I released a record. I put a lot of work into it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, right? response <laughs> crickets. I text my family. I killed a deer. And they're like, my phone's blowing up. Like he did what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, man.
2: It's just like adds their value. And by the way, I was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and someone says, what's an immediate red flag when you meet someone? And the number two answer was hunting
0: oh like, and
2: i'm like you cats need to get out of your bubble <laughs> yeah
0: yes yes i <laughs> mean you
2: obviously know nobody from
0: rural america oh because everybody oh, yeah. hunts
2: and, and and or or an amish person because every amish family hunts you yeah, know so it's like right. yeah.
1: yeah our our grandpa was a like world-renowned bow hunter and yeah. so oh, yeah All whenever we visit as kids and his house is like just scattered with animals and it was terrifying you just getting you know him as you get older like oh man Hunters have more respect for the environment in a lot of ways. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, they're just people. They're no worse than the non-hunters. Oh, yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting you bring that up, too. I think I, – and I don't know how much of – how many 2022 movies you've been able to catch, but – Not many. Mitchell, yeah. Mitchell and I were just talking about this a little bit, that one of the themes that I think is really present in a lot of the movies that are hitting really well, at least critically or whatever, have this theme of the rich are bad and – but, but kind of it's still in this eat, kind eat of the rich yeah this mm. is the rich thing but still in a way that it kind of lacks some self-awareness and any connection sure. to it, Hollywood. it feels yeah I mean it, it well it, no it, I think it is trying to make a point of eat the rich um, from the inside out with any real self-awareness and connection to the rest of the world and it's been a really interesting thing to watch and how I have not really responded to these movies I don't think they're that interesting, uh, and Mitchell. You said this of like, it's you know these renowned Hollywood actors making movies about eating the rich, and it's like, yeah, but they're rich. I know. We, you know it, it, well, it's,
2: I, I, it's I, I, such I, an irony
0: there that they seem to be missing.
2: No, I agree, and I, and I don't even watch the Academy Awards anymore. I, yeah. I mean, it's like my favorite films. <clears times, throat> they either don't get nominated or. If they get, they don't like 2001, I think it won special effects, but it's like they should have won best picture. Oh yeah. I don't know what won that, but it's considered like, it's in everybody's top 10. It's in every, you know, every top 10 you list of all time, it's there. But the Academy Mm. didn't have eyes to see it. And I don't think they, I just don't think that's the way they roll. I think they're more into social commentary Yes. and they don't always see art. So you can't have both. It's going to be yeah. one or the
1: other. I would say that's the, the rich irony of all of the people who are making the movies, unable to see the movies that are important mm-hmm. for yeah. that year, you know?
0: Yeah. I, that is rich. That is rich. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's a good point. Kind of segueing into, I mean, we had initiated this conversation with you to talk about 2001, like like you mentioned a, a while ago. But mm-hmm. I, there seems to be a little bit more um, relevance even now. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Sight and Sound Directors Poll that came out in December.
2: Uh, I'm familiar with it in the sense that Mitch sent it to me, but I had yes. I don't even know who they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is so we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but this is this. A poll of movie critics and then there's the director's poll and it only happens once every 10 years so it's kind of this oh oh, it's big. It's oh big yeah deal. this, this it's is important this is a big deal because it only ever changes once a decade yeah. and the movie
1: critics uh, one tends to get more like the conversation around it but i think the yes. director's one is more telling of like maybe the cinema that is really important at least for yeah. me yeah yeah and yeah. you no, talk I, I would about i
0: you know 2001 coming out in 1968 and not getting a lot of traction i mean people you know well, you know respected it or whatever but if you read roger ebert's review of 2001 he talks about going to the premiere and people walking out of that movie right and mm-hmm. and now in 2022 you the, the directors poll comes out and 2001 is the top movie as mm-hmm. polled by 450 or some odd directors in the field. And that, to me, is really telling of the staying power of this film. And that, you know, I think, and you mentioned it, when we listen to filmmakers talk about pictures, right? This then becomes the thing that they select. That tells me something about this movie.
2: Yeah, well, if I can just jump in there about people walking out. So I read this book, (laughs) Uh, I think the the author's name is Michael Benson, and it came out on the 50th anniversary, mm. and it's called "2001: Stanley Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke, Making of a Masterpiece," and it's it's a it's a it's a slog fest getting through the book. I mean, there's just too much information in it, right? Yeah, yeah. But one of the most interesting parts for me was because I'm a big Kubrick fan. I don't just like 2001. I like about yeah. all of his films. There's maybe one or two that I don't care for.
3: Yeah.
2: And his wife said so when he showed it they first showed it to the elites, right? And I think this was a New York premiere or something where Stanley was actually present. I'm, my memory says New York, but I might be wrong. Sure. But I do know it was like to the suits.
3: Yeah. And
2: yeah. it hadn't been seen. And and Stanley's sitting there and, you know, it, halfway through or whatever, people are verbally laughing and making fun of it. Mm-hmm. They're walking out and everybody's just like, what a joke
3: fest. Yeah, Right in
2: front of, right right in front of Kubrick, right. who had He's made Dr. Strangelove, right? Yeah. yeah. So she, his wife said, I had never seen Stanley, of course his IQ, they say his IQ was like over 200 or up there, right? He's clearly like just insane. Yeah. But um, she said, I had never seen him insecure. Hmm. And that night he kept fumbling with himself saying, I'm done. Oh, what am I going to do? I, oh, I'm wow. finished. I'm, d- I'm finished. What am I going to do? And then he had a buddy who was like, Stanley, look at these people. They've never Mm. paid for a ticket in their life. Why do you Mm. care what they think? Mm. But still, Kubrick was like, I I guess I'm finished. And he was like literally thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Because he was still pretty young, right? He's in his 30s or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And um, so – the capacity to see what's valuable—I don't know that any of yeah. us really have that. I mean, it's especially when it comes to great art. I'm not saying I do. I'm not saying yeah. that when I watch mm-hmm. a movie the first time, I know I, I saw 2001 the first time when I was in my mid to early 20s, mm-hmm. early to mid 20s. Saw it with my brother Glenn, and I didn't hate it. I really loved the house. I mean, I loved the house scene. I don't yeah. doesn't everybody? Right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. the most captivating scene, but. But I didn't realize what I was standing in front of at the time. Of course, I hadn't read yeah. any backstory on it or whatever. I just knew it was considered a, a masterpiece, and I wanted to yeah. see it. Yeah. But it's interesting that Stanley's peers responded the way they, they did. Yeah. And yet it was it was the hippies who, yeah. who kept the film alive they yeah. kept going and seeing it over and over. And they were getting, they were tripping on acid and they were waiting for the Stargate sequence. And are <laughs> right, you know, they'd lay down to the front, right. They'd walk them to the front and lay down and have like oh a religious experience, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the monolith.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apparently, I don't know if you guys read this, apparently at some point, one guy like stands up and says, it's God and runs through the screen.
0: Oh, my God. Some dude on
2: acid. What a legend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What an absolute legend. I know, contrasting that with, uh, yeah, Roger Ebert's story of him seeing it and a guy walking up and down the aisles, what does this movie mean? <laughs> yes, yes, it's
0: that. It's, it was some some famous actor or whatever just screaming that as he was walking out. That's which crazy. I, uh, I love the I didn't know people's, that, yeah. people's desire for,
1: tell me what you mean. I need to know.
0: <laughs> yes, you know? yes.
2: Well, and and did, did you guys know that Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke, like they had quite a bit of a uh, an ongoing
0: argument about oh, yeah. Kubrick's
2: resistance to dialogue.
0: Yes, oh. well, because Clark didn't he then write the novelization kind uh-huh. of concurrently with the production yeah. of the film. Yeah. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. and and his own novelization goes on to explain things that Kubrick oh, yeah. was not interested in <laughs> yeah. explaining. No. He pulled it a the shining. He pulled the yes. on him, like yeah, I wanted purposely truth, different right. than the book.
2: <laughs> well, and the truth is, Kubrick d- didn't he. Purposely wanted this film distance from the novel, not yeah. because he didn't like Arthur C. Clarke, but he he wanted mystery more than explanation.
0: Yes. He actually wanted a silent different.
3: film.
2: Yeah, he wanted a silent film. Yeah, which uh, I'm yeah, glad he didn't go silent. I don't think it would. I don't think we'd be talking about it. But right.
0: yeah,
1: but it could um, almost work if it like. It is
2: an extremely visual film. Yeah, yeah. And if it
1: cut to title cards instead of dialogue, it's like I, you know right. I'm not losing That's a whole true. lot. That's
2: true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, And did you guys know that Kubrick started out as a photographer? I I, I think I had
1: read that. It It makes sense sense though.
2: Yeah. When you look at his films and especially 2001, his his had he been a graphic designer, there'd be
1: nobody better. I bet. I yeah, yeah. I'd have his book right here instead of yeah.
2: so Oh, you would be better, Mitchell, but th- I,
1: I'm sorry, you, uh-huh. be no one <laughs> Yeah. He made he made two thousand one in his thirties, I'm now thirty, and I've made some church slides that you know, they don't they don't look that bad. <laughs> Whatever. But you
0: know, Mitchell said this before, before we started recording, he's, you know, our, our reaction to this is, it is amazing how this looks again. Now, if uh, one of the ongoing themes of this podcast is that we like to throw a little bit of shade at Marvel. Famously, Um, I hate them. And Matthew, like, will
1: watch them at least. And I enjoy them. them. I'm with you.
0: Okay. All right, great. So, so you'll, you'll like this. It, It is amazing how this movie in, from 1968 looks better than every single Marvel movie ever oh. made.
2: Well, it's because <laughs> of the artist behind it,
0: the visual. Of course, right, of But course. like, even
2: when Moonwatcher gets the, you know, after he's touched the monolith and Moonwatcher realizes, wait, this bone is a weapon. Right. Yeah. And you see him cock his head. And then all of a sudden it goes up close to him and he picks up this bone and he starts smashing the skull. Right. Yeah. But what Kubrick did was he wanted this beautiful wide angle lens. He had this picture in mind and- and so he actually dug uh th- th- I don't know if they dug or how but they got the the camera below the shot. Mm, so mm. moonwatcher the the astral epithesis, is above the entire shot and of course behind him is the sky. Right. Yeah. And it's of course the dawn and man but uh, you know and then shortly after this is that amazing cut scene where he throws the yes. bone in the air and, yeah. and it turns into a nuclear weapon in in space 3 3 or 4 million years,
1: you know. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a brilliant you know The, the something largest only cinema can do jump cut in history of movies
0: that's true yeah, yeah. Uh, man I I was just gosh I'm so glad you brought that up because that is how I would describe it this uh, it's something only that can be accomplished in a movie and mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the big movies of 2022 was Tar and, um, and there was some tar, I don't know if you've seen Tar yet Sam
2: but I haven't.
0: But try there try not some, to tell
2: me too much. Uh, this is nothing about the plot. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. This okay, is okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but this week, you know, uh, Martin Scorsese introduced a screening of tar with Todd Field, the director, and kind of moderated mm-hmm. a panel. And Scorsese was over the top glowing with his praise of this movie. Oh, that's and, great. Because I oh, love yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, yeah.
2: Love him. Yeah.
0: And he the way that he talked about it, um, he says, um uh, uh, you he says this to todd field about tar you make it so you make it so that we exist in her being lydia tar's head we experience only through her perception the world is hers um he says that the shift in locations for example the shift in locations alone do what cinema does best which is to reduce space and time to what they are which is nothing mm. and that is what kubrick does in 2001 uh, Roger Ebert calls that jump cut from the bone to the spaceship the longest flash forward in cinema history. Right. And 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 Scorsese observes this in in another movie, but it's it, it, cinema is the only thing that can play with time and space mm-hmm. as a, as a medium in the way that it does. And, and oh, I think that's I, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's well, what if we I, see
2: here. Know, I'm an I'm a musical artist if on yeah. as a side gig, right? But but the truth is. It had, I had the resources in, in the context and I would have gone into, I'd much prefer cinema. I much Mm -hmm. prefer it. Not Mm -hmm. a little bit. If I had, if I'm left to myself, I'm not listening to a record. I'm, I'm going, but I'm not watching a movie just to be like, Oh, I'm going to pass the time. I got nothing better to do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to watch something that I want to be like, okay, Shock me, right? Yeah. Wake me up. Take me somewhere I've never been before. You're looking Make to actually me think experience. About something. Something. I want to experience. I, it's an event. Yeah. In fact, it takes my, my my wife doesn't like watching with me because. If, if a film is an hour and a half or two hours, it's going to take me three to four hours to watch it because I'm going to either rewind, watch scenes again, I'm going to look things up. I'm, you know, it's it's an entire event for me.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. One of the best things is like reading a mm-hmm. review while it's happening and then going like, all right, yeah. you know, I'll learn more stuff, about this. Yeah, yeah as it's yeah. happening. Yeah. I think I think we can all share that sentiment. If we could have, I would have gone into <laughs> cinema. But
0: uh...
2: well, there you go. So Scorsese, I like him too. I mean, I like. I'm trying to think. I know this is like taboo, but probably the the thing I like the least is his earlier work. I actually mm-hmm. like his later work better.
0: So what what of his later stuff is kind of your favorite?
2: All of it. Okay. I mean, name it, name it. Make sure I know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, I'm
0: Departed, right? Departed is kind of first come to mind. Uh Did Wolf you see of Wall Silence? Street?
2: Wolf of Wall Street, love it. I own it. I mean I own all these. So I buy do you, hey, do you guys have Apple TV? Yes. Oh yeah, this
0: is playing on an Apple TV.
2: So you know they run those specials like every Tuesday
1: Oh, have we
0: have the kindred. So I it's I'm amazing.
2: Like, I'm already like a thousand dollars deep.
1: I'm oh, serious, guys. I, I'm <laughs> I just tried to buy just a single like like Kubrick's the killing and Sarah's like, really? I'm like, it's four dollars. It's four dollars. Oh, I know <laughs> we get
0: know. a latte for that. 499? <laughs> <laughs> the drip. The drip drip of 4 99 at a I time. I know. Oh, my God. It's, it's like I just buy so every tempting. week. I'm like, I don't know there are monsters buy, over there. But it's
2: like, no, but my criteria is I have to have seen it and I want mm. to watch it again,
1: right? Yeah. See, Matthew does the <laughs> like, all right, I'll just roll the dice on this four ninety nine.
2: I did for a little bit and then it was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. There's too many times the critics get it wrong. So I mean, oh, yeah. they, most of the time they get it right, but sometimes it's like, yeah. So, oh, I appreciate that
1: sentiment because a lot of what I hear is like, oh, the Rotten Tomato score is so dumb because and you know, people like hate critics because they're pointing pause. No, 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 the no, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, I mean, maybe they, think... they're here for a reason and they watch a lot more movies than you do and think
0: about this art <laughs> a lot more than you do.
2: <laughs> well, but that's the, true the I, the I, aggregate
0: stuff is is not helpful.
2: No, I, I do think that I, – I think there are uh trends that aren't always great, right? So yeah. like Tarantino talks about this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there are trends where like movies are amazing and they're finally breaking ground and then they go through trends where either from political correctness or some kind of social pressure, they retract and get like way too careful and are afraid to take risk. And they just become kind of lame at that mm-hmm, yeah. point. <clears throat> and I love Tarantino. I don't know what you guys think about him. But oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Stock is high so, on Tarantino. So
2: I will say, focus. I will say, uh, I I don't know. This is something I've also thought about just because I've watched so much. It's like, there are films that I want to watch only with friends. Mm. Then there are films that I could watch with friends and have a certain type of experience and watch alone and have a different type of experience, right? And Tarantino is one of those, man. You can do him with people and just laugh and then, or you can watch him by yourself. (laughs) That's what I've learned with Tarantino, even more so than Kubrick. So with Kubrick, I always prefer to watch him with friends. I can watch him, but I prefer with friends.
0: Mm. You know, I, I, so I... I rewatched this this week, and mm-hmm. um, and it had been a while since I watched it. And our son, who is eight years old, is on Christmas break, and I thought, well, hey, you know, it's rated G. Yeah, which you is know, crazy. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it, there's, you know, there's not just uh, what, I mean, you don't know there's there's say
1: Kubrick with no that rating.
0: <laughs> no, right? Because what you think of is um, it, uh, A Clockwork Orange, which right, is right. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I said, "Hey, Enoch, is our, our son's name is Enoch." I said, do "You, you want to watch uh, this movie with me?" He's like, "As long as it's not a space movie, Dad." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm not sure how you made that, but whatever." Because he hates, he insists that he hates Star Wars because I love it, whatever. Sure. And so, we, so we put the movie as on sons like, do, yeah. right? So, so we put the movie on. He's like, "What's going on? Why is nothing happening?" Because it's four minutes of black. And I and I great? said and i said oh. and it was such a fun experience to watch it with him and and he doesn't care if i talk during the movie or if we pause Correct. it and and i said to him why do you think you know it's a space movie. Why do you think it's five minutes of black? And he's like probably to make you feel lonely, like you're in space. I thought like, oh, actually oh, uh, so already. On? Actually, yeah, maybe he's better he's than all- critics, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's already
1: more observant than like ninety percent of audiences. <laughs> so we're playing
0: it, and and he he is totally into the you know the the first man you know Donna Man sequence and. And then he kept insisting, this is so boring. And I'd pause the movie and he would say, No, 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 just play it, just play it. <laughs> and and I love this the Cuba like, trap, right? Like <laughs> he he has this impulse that, that very modern impulse of like, this is not fast enough, the pace is too slow, sure. this is boring. It isn't, yeah, yeah. But and it is so different. But as soon as I pause it, he was like, No, 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 keep keep it coming, keep it coming. I I, I want to see where this goes. And oh, we got it. through we got through up until the house sequence that's where we mm-hmm. we stopped it and he went to bed mm-hmm. um but that whole second act of the, the you know the journey to the moon he he was you know how do they do that how do they do the floating pen how do they do this you know fascinated right. by the the process and absolutely wrapped up in it and it was such a fun because there's not a lot of dialogue so we could just he and i could just talk about it as it's no. happening and i think it lends itself to that that's you know, cool. experiencing it with friends so it was a super fun experience for me with him yeah
2: was, and that's quite uh that's quite the thing for an eight-year, eight-year-old
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah a, it,
2: this movie is not friendly to kids i mean it's
1: not no. I mean, it does it's not, not hold anyone's hand. It's hands. barely friendly to adults. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, you know uh, what's funny is like, so I was watching it, and my and the, it was time for for the girls to go to bed. We we've got two girls and a little boy, but the girls are ten and seven. Yeah, about to be eleven. And they came in during the house sequence, and I said, "You want to sit down and watch this?" Because I knew it was like the house sequence is the most interesting part, and it might yes. you know they had it. The most
0: accessible. Questions.
2: But what I really liked was the space sequences especially when the arms of the pod come out and turn the bolts yes my girls were like there's no sound dad (laughs) and then my other girl was like i don't think there's sound in space right and then they're like and i'm like that's right there's no sound and i don't (laughs) know if you guys knew this or not but kubrick was the first to actually say no sound right oh wow in space yeah so space movies before then had like just acted like you could
1: you laser know. sounds, like yeah, like weird sounds.
2: But anytime yeah, yeah. Kubrick's in space, unless he's under the helmet, and you hear the breathing.
0: Yeah, all you hear is that haunting breathing.
2: And, but but even then, sometimes when there's not, when that's not there, yeah. it's just
0: complete
1: complete silence. Yeah, It's so funny that you bring that up because I feel like the first time I saw this movie, like, and since then, when the movie the title gets brought up in conversation, that scene where he's turning the handle is the one that like pops into my brain for some reason. And there's so many more iconic moments that you would think you'd associate, but I think I remember seeing it for the first time being like, I'm this is giving me so much space to think about the movie and my life that I'm not used to this and I don't not like it, but I'm just not used to this, you know? Yeah. And it really stuck in my head of like, I could watch this pod do menial tasks for another
0: hour. Only <laughs> if <Well, laughs> well, it's shot by Kubrick. <laughs> right. Well, it's
2: such a visual. And I'll say this. I don't, I don't know if you guys drink alcohol, but I do. And I usually drink alcohol when I watch this film. <laughs> and especially if I'm with my buddies, which is all every time, right? Right. Yeah. And, and we'll st- we make a night of it. Right, so we grill out at intermission. I mean, it, it, it becomes oh, a four okay. to five hour. It becomes a four to five hour. Oh yeah, we, 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 we make a night out it.
1: Yeah, the intermission um, has to cut different if you actually take one. Because when you're sure. watching at home, you're like, all right, you know, let's- But I will backwards.
2: say, by the time I get to the Stargate sequence, I'm, you know, God knows how many drinks in, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, by then I'm just floating, right? Right, you're like the hippies. So, so the- this time I watched it sober and I was like, oh my goodness. I don't think I've ever really watched this, and I ended up mm. watching it twice because it is so beautiful. Yeah, like I got to the end of it and I was like, I want to see that whole thing again. I just rewound it and watched it a second time through because it's so gorgeous. The 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 Stargate sequence, the slit screen—I think it's called what they do yeah. there with the. Do you guys know how they do that?
0: No, no, no okay. idea.
2: And that's okay. I think um, so. It was it was it was uh, pioneered right before two thousand and one. And Kubrick had seen somebody do a little bit of it, so he hired this guy to do it.
3: Mm. Uh,
2: but I think what they do is—I I don't know the language for this because I'm not a for tech sure. guy—but they expose a lens as they move across a painting,
3: mm. and
2: so it streaks, right? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I feel yeah, like yeah, on the yeah, special
1: yeah. features because we're movie nerds, we're watching this on the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, like I saw, it's like a camera dolly that's like having. Yeah, it was like they just did a quick little thing about it but they yeah. didn't go in depth of like what's actually happening
2: so it was a it was a new development when 2001 came out it hadn't been i think it had been done once before in like a documentary or something mm. but basically you move a, an exposed lens across the painting and so the colors just wow. all streak right you yeah. don't get an
1: image yeah
0: i wonder what painting and it gives this
2: used. incredible feeling of motion and falling
0: yeah that's incredible yeah. Yeah, and and now that you describe it I can see okay, I see visually how that could be what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. but it is such an experience to just kind of give yourself over to. This oh, I sequence. loved it. Yeah, well, it's so
1: And speaking of like so you say you you said I think you said on Instagram once that you like kind of watch this maybe once a year as like a mm-hmm. annual tradition. I'm curious cuz like I've only seen it I think 3 times total now, and the most recent one being this week. And it's always like kind of these big gaps in viewing. so I feel like the first time I watched it was like college, like maybe I was 20 and then another like 25 ish. And now I'm 30. And each time I'm just like pulling so many different things out of it. Oh,
4: sure. Of course.
1: Like, I feel like the first time I saw it, there was a lot of awe. And I feel like it's most recent time. I had a lot more like terror with the movie. I'm I'm curious how it's been aging for you. Maybe like year to year. It might not, you might not pull out as much different stuff, but like, especially I signed Matthew off mic before this, but I don't know if you've seen all the AI, um, like chat GPT stuff that's been going around the internet right now of like. I don't even know
3: what that
2: is.
1: Yeah. So I I saw it,
2: I saw it laying around, but I've not, I've not jumped down that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, it's this uh AI uh like bot tool that people are playing with right now and it costs like ten bucks a month to use, but it's like you could just hop on and be like, Hey, I've got this stuff in my fridge, make me a recipe or hey, mm. like can you solve this math problem for me? You can just talk to it like a person and it's like you can actually to create
0: j to like create code you can write right
1: you can write a movie script and these are the characters and it'll like write
0: you something oh, yeah. you know and i've, I've uh, prompted it to write me a sermon and i prompted mm-hmm. it with a passage it's it was it was okay <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it'll listen, get better with time so god yeah but that's <laughs> the thing it's so
1: new and it's still pretty good and again i'm just getting more and more of that terror <laughs> Rewatching 2001 be like from how uh, oh yeah the, yeah going and from we the bone should
2: talk about how
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Going yeah, yeah. from we the gotta, bone we, to Hal, right. I'm like, oh gosh, this is this is the beginning of the end, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, so, we need to talk about Hal. Yeah, let's
0: we, talk about Hal, or unless you're going to say cool. something Sam.
2: Yeah, I was just going to, before we do, I do need to say, you, I, and I should have done this at the beginning, uh, because I do watch this every year with Matt Nall, who uh, d- drummed on The Reaches and was a co-producer for The Reaches. Mm, cool. And my brother Glenn who played guitar on The Reaches and is my brother. So we do watch 2001 uh, every year. And then, you know, the, for the two years that we were recording The Reaches, John Class, the the primary producer on the record, was also watching it with
1: us. And um, do you want to speak and, about The Reaches a little bit, just because it's right on theme with what we're talking about here?
2: Sure. I mean, it's a space record. It starts with the Big Bang and then ends with the heat death of the universe. And it just <laughs> has these different themes in between. Um, it's, it's basically just an exploration record of, of the cosmos, but beyond earth, beyond earth for the most part. But then it's also a very very humanistic record because it's, it's about human nature. Really. Mm. I mean, we can talk more about it. I mean, I I will say this, uh, if this doesn't tell you that I would have preferred to be a director, I don't know what does the last song on the record, which is born too, which is a a mirror of, of the first song on the record, which is born, which is about the big bang. The last song is about the heat death of the universe. There's like nine tracks on the record. Born 2 starts out with nine curses spoken by death. And then it finishes with nine prayers from all across different faith traditions.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but you can't hear the prayers. They're like underneath the the tsunami of of the crushing of the dying of the universe. Right. So you hear these, you hear these <laughs> prayers, but you can't make out what they're saying, but they're real prayers that were really, that have really been written and are yeah. used. Sounds like uh, you're describing
1: from, the uh, the vocals around the monolith of just like. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> so basically, I infused a bunch of symbolism and layers into uh, into the entire record, but especially that last song. Yeah. Um, which is it's it's kind of a cinematic experience. It's oh, not yeah. just a typical like I'm not to write a song, you know. Yeah. Put a yeah. lot, a lot of thought and a lot of time into. Which see. is
1: why. Well, even yeah. your music video for "Found You." Um, like it's totally hitting for me some of these two thousand and one beats towards the end where it's just like celestial gas and chemicals moving on a screen mm-hmm. and i I was telling Matthew before this too, it's like the same terror that I feel for a lot of 2001 and I don't always feel terror, but this time I did for some reason I was like with found you, I feel like it's like an inverse of like, I feel some hope. Maybe it's it, you know, in this huge universe and being known and seen by something out there. Oh, be a, sure. A beautiful thing. You know, it's yeah. naive.
2: Found you is a naive song and that, but I'm okay
3: with that.
1: Yeah. I, no, I realized. I'm like, I needed I realized, this after 2001.
2: No, I realized. So found you for those of you or who are listening or whatever, don't know, found you is a song that, that, uh, imagines first contact with extraterrestrial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. People take it to be a, a religious song, but it's actually mm-hmm. about, uh, in fact, someone who reached out to me once on Instagram, she was like, what's this song about? And I'm like, it can be about whatever. And then she was like, no, really, what's it about? And I'm like, it's about ETI. And she goes, what's that? And I said, extraterrestrial intelligence. And she unfollowed me. <laughs> <gasps> Blocked. Blocked. Oh. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, have it your way. it's all right. But anyway, um <laughs> So uh, the record that I, I made could not have been made without the help of my friends, right?
3: Mm. Yeah, and
2: and so it's something that I enjoy every year, looking forward to with with Matt Nall and, and and my brother Glenn. And there are other people who made the record who either aren't interested in watching or just aren't available. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but uh, but we, yeah, we do that every year. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm
2: sorry. I was going to say Found You, but Found You is, uh, is, is imagining what it would be like to make first contact. And it, yeah. it takes a hopeful point of view rather than right. like a yeah, yeah, yeah. there's, there's a hope
1: yeah. embedded in the
0: song. Oh, very much yeah. so. It's extremely hopeful.
2: Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about how. Is that cool?
0: Let's yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. This is, this is great because I think this is the entry point for a lot of people when they think of 2001 or if they haven't seen it, but have heard about it, it's usually mm-hmm. in the context of the HAL sequences. they see a parody
1: probably somewhere else. Yeah,
0: there. sure. And, and obviously it's the most straightforward narrative part oh, of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm always so taken by it because it is so good. And that's oh, amazing. And part of me is like, well, couldn't you have just done a two-hour movie that's this? Oh, you could. because Like, like to Kubrick, because it's, it's almost like he's so good at it and he knows it, but he wants to use it sparingly. <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I felt that a little We talked about this uh, With this year's 2022's um, Nope By Jordan Peele That he mm-hmm. Takes all these Different elements That he You know And just gives us These little tastes of them And then moves on Like he's not that interested He and can I make think
1: a great can, Horror movie But he prefers to
0: mess With the format Of a horror movie Yeah Because mm-hmm. he already and, Knows how to do it So Kubrick gives us This great Amazing sequence um, But I don't know You want to speak to that Sam?
2: Well sure I mean <clears throat> I don't know How You guys know that that Kubrick kind of wanted this to, to nod to Ulysses to the Odyssey, right? Mm. I don't know if you knew that or not. Well, how yeah. is a cyclops? He's the cyclops, you know, right? Yeah. So, but the, the real issue with how I mean, I'm, there's a lot of them, but the real issue is at what point did he become deceptive?
3: Mm. Yeah,
2: and mm. and so one of the questions is, um, how knew about the mission, the real point of the mission, yeah. when the astronauts did not, right? Right, yeah, so. Hal is being asked to deceive from the be, from the beginning on the now he's been around for nine years he was born in nineteen ninety two and this is two thousand and one so he's been alive for nine years he's been conscious for nine years and uh maybe we should even tell your listeners who hal is he's a super a i he's a super yeah artificial yeah. computer
0: the, the he's a super a i that runs all of the the this you know mission and all the yeah. other, all the functions on this ship on yeah. the ship that's right we'll have a version of him in like five years or so yeah
2: and he has a uh, he has a red eye yeah throughout the different parts of the ship
0: so beautifully cinematic <clears throat> oh it's, it's perfect
2: <laughs> so uh so yeah he was uh Hal was given the knowledge of the point of the mission which is the monolith right yeah. they're going there's a monolith been discovered on the you know, orbiting jupiter and they're going at, they're going to it but no one else knows this on the mission so is actually deceiving them by acting like he doesn't mm. know what the mission's about right and oh then God. what happens is how uh, says that uh I forgot the part that was going to fail, but one of their uh, one of their engine pieces or something was going to fail, mm-hmm. and um, they go check it out, and it turns out that how was wrong, right? right? So and he's never they, wrong. This is and not, he's not he's never a wrong. possibility that he's wrong. It's impossible that the how nine thousand is ever wrong. Yeah. So then they have to decide what to do with it, which is you know that's where the the lip reading comes in. You guys want to yes. talk about that?
0: Yeah, I mean it's this great sequence because you know the 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 kind of the eeriness of Hal is he's his omnipresence on this mm-hmm. ship, and then he can always hear and it's these two astronauts that are kind of keeping things going while they're making their way to Jupiter, and they realize this. They're both really smart guys. I think that's what I like about the movie. Yeah. Is one of the things that I like about the sequence is it it does not treat these guys as dumb and being, you know, outwitted by the computer. They're they know what's going on
1: immediately. Like it actually surprised yeah. me how quickly like yeah, they know.
0: Yeah. And and so they make up this, this excuse to go into one of this into the pods and then turn off all of its functions to be able to speak uh you know without HAL being able to hear. And they have this open conversation of this tension between Hal is either wrong, which is a problem, or he's being deceptive, which is a problem. Right. And the solution is we have to turn him off. And uh um, Which
2: is which is an execution.
0: Yes. Oh yes. And that's yes. the problem. Yeah. Yes. It's
2: it's a moral dilemma which they don't go into, but this is what causes the conflict between Hal and them.
0: Yeah. Yes. And, and so, you know, and then Hal is able to read their lips through the, you know, uh, view, you know, the, through the window of the, of the pod. Um, and did you are, guys, they...
2: uh, did you guys know that Arthur C. Clark tried to talk Kubrick out of that? Really? Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, he said, he said, uh, AI would never be able to read lips. And then years <laughs> later, when he was interviewed in 2001 for The Making of a Myth, which was a documentary, it's a short documentary. Yeah. Arthur C. Clark was like, "I was wrong." <laughs> it, was
0: it can right read lips, all do. right.
2: <laughs> can. You well, know, AI is already reading lips, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's <clears throat> it's so interesting too because there's been news this year of the whistleblower at Google that was trying to kind of get it, I, making an accusation. I guess he was a Google engineer that Google has developed this AI that is now, in his words, sentient and mm. is having conversations with Google engineers about uh you know his own uh concerns about being shut down like he's having chats this this he this this a i is it, having yeah uh, yeah is is having you know text chats with engineers about his feelings about his identity and his like real concern that he's being uh that he's get, that he might be shut down someday and 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 it's like that's that's happening right now. And Kubrick you know uh sees all of that in this mm-hmm. film in the Hal sequence um and the 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 kind of it, it's interesting right because because a lot of the the criticism of this whistleblower is well a i can't be sentient yet, and this is why the 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 chat the chat is just smart enough to create to adapt a, to a personality that has this fear. And to say it has feelings, but it doesn't To say feelings. that it has feelings. And, I, and I'm thinking like, but isn't that a weird deception on the AI's part? Like much in the same way that Hal is, right? This, is well, this...
2: and that was even brought up when Frank Poole was being interviewed, right? They said, does he have feelings? And Frank Poole says, well, he sure acts like he does, but he would, wouldn't he? He's been programmed that way.
0: Yeah. Well, what's the difference? But
2: I think, I think it is, I have always assumed that Hal is in fact conscious. Yeah, I've assumed that. Now, I don't actually personally think that AI could be conscious. I think it's something I don't know. I don't think we know what consciousness is. And I don't think yeah. it's right. something um, that we can just create by programming. Um, but but nonetheless, for the sake of the movie, I buy into the premise. And uh, of course, what happens is how reads their lips, realizes they're going to shut him down. And then he decides, no, you're not mm-hmm. without telling them. And then he um he tries to kill him off one by one. And then Dave, you know, through a series of events, Dave is having to try to get back into, and that's the famous open the pod bay doors, Hal. Hal, yeah. do you read me? Open right. the pod doors, yeah. Hal. And uh, I'm sorry, I can, Dave. I can hear you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> Like, oh
0: no. The voice is so good. But he oh, like, oh,
2: did you guys know that Kubrick went through two other actors before he got to this guy?
0: Uh, for for is Hal? It's not surprising.
2: Kubrick was not afraid to fire.
3: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm.
2: and he had these people like record the whole thing, go through the whole thing. And he's like, nope, not going to wow. work. Let's do it again. Well, he Second had time, guy a
0: guy compose and record an entire score for this film. That he didn't use. That he didn't use. <laughs> he uses <laughs> his, his fill-in music.
1: <laughs> he was just using the the classical stuff as just fill-in, right? And then he's like, you know what? This works. <laughs> Kubrick
2: was notoriously hard to work with from, yeah, what yeah. I've, from what I've read. Some actors just couldn't handle it. Yeah. They just couldn't handle it. Because he would make them redo a scene 20, 30 times in a row and they would just break down, you know, just like, yeah. I can't do this.
1: He wishes actors were house that could just like, come well, on, we'll just keep repeating it until we get it.
2: Well, apparently, but, the guy that finally got it dialed it in, he, he, I guess he like put his feet in some kind of warm towel bath or something and recorded uh, the voice sequences. Dave. So he sounded so like relaxed, uh, you know?
1: Dave, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting too, like when he starts like basically executing members of the, of the the shuttle here it's like he poses it as like this is for the sake of the mission this isn't you know
2: well and like- that's a that's another thing maybe how i was supposed to do we don't know maybe how i was yeah. it was responsible to actually make contact with the monolith
0: we don't mm, know that's yeah. never explained. It, it's one of the interesting things, because you're gonna have the film split up into these four sequences, the dawn of man, the moon, the Jupiter mission, and then the stargate, star child mm-hmm. sequence here. Here's the star child behind me. Um, mm-hmm. And in three of those, you know, the first two and the last one, the monolith is very present and um, kind of in direct contact with people, you know, on the moon, and right. on the earth. Mm-hmm. And then there's this middle section where it's almost the specter of the monolith mm-hmm. um, that is driving the action it is far away it is out there at jupiter and that's where they're headed it's still driving it but it is not uh itself present with them in the way mm-hmm. you know that that in all the other sequences you have these moments where people are reaching out to touch it and that yeah. seems to be this important mm-hmm. motif the trigger for, uh, yeah this trigger for for kubrick um and so it's interesting because how then rises a- a- as this sentient AI that humans created, but I think in a lot of ways the monolith represents some far away intelligence oh sure it's it's possible that they're yeah. AI. We don't know. Yes, yeah, no, and, and that's know. what I think is interesting. It's almost like Hal represents the monolith in that sequence, even as he's trying to get to it.
2: Um, uh, I it, it, think his eye is enclosed in in a rectangle of of some yeah. some type. I think. Actually. Yes. Yeah. That, and do, you know? And speaking wrestle. of the monolith, how do you like that? That at the intro that you'd already mentioned that your son observed, and at the intermission, we as viewers are looking at the monolith on you know a flat end. Right, because the, yes. the the screen we're
0: looking at is basically mm. the same dimensions as the monolith that Kubrick uses. I had that exact thought. It's it's one of the sequences where the monolith is orbiting, right, and you see mm-hmm. it moving right. in space. And I thought it just looks like a movie screen.
3: Mm-hmm. And That's like dark. You're, of,
0: you're like, wait, a minute. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's a black movie screen. And and that that is then you know uh, expressed and made manifest in those moments of blackness in the film. Um, Yeah. I heard on the special
1: features too, that they had toyed with the idea of projecting stuff from within the monolith. Like, like, like they did
2: all sorts of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To teach the like first man, like how to use the tool versus like knowing, but it's like, Oh, so you are going to show a movie on there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yes. Well, they
2: were, yeah, they were going to have a transparent monolith. Well, they went first. They were going to, I mean, Cooper, he was, he tried for years to come up with an actual image of it, of an ET, right? Mm. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. So glad. But uh,
2: Oh no. But eventually he realized no matter what I do, it's going to date and it's going to, it's not going to wear well. And then they started playing with the ideas of a, of a symbol. And at first they were going with the transparent one. And, mm. and, but that was causing too many problems with, with what they were trying to shoot. They couldn't do it. Yeah. So then they went with a black one that absorbed. And of course, I think that's obviously yeah. the best because it's the most mysterious. Yeah. yeah. That just that black, it's like it's terrifying. You know, yeah, yeah it, it's at terrifying, but it's also like seductive in the sense that I want to fall into it. Yeah, I mean, I want to, yeah. I want to know what's inside there, right? I'd be like oh, Dave; yeah. I'd get in the pod and go after it.
1: <laughs> Just an old man <laughs> reaching for it. <laughs>
2: well, there you go. You know, the old man at the end there, and I've never heard anybody talk about this, but I'm always when I see that he's reaching. It's it's like Michelangelo's Adam reaching for God. Yeah, you know, but the monolith right. is the the mama, the monolith is the is the deity. Yeah. And then he's reborn as the star child
0: yeah and which it is, is an entirely hu- higher level
2: yeah but it's man's infancy humanity's in, i should say humanity's infancy in space you
0: know yeah just one of the things that's so interesting to watch this because mitchell and i did an episode a couple uh, i guess a month ago now where we were talking about you know kind of the classics and and in particular these these movies that are so highly regarded and it was on um, the sight and sound list. Yeah, it was, we were talking about the sight mm-hmm. and sound list. And we were this is on a
1: We were noticing a theme that was like running through a lot of the movies chosen yeah. on the
0: list. And and one of the themes that we noticed, because you look at the sight and sound list, there's not a Tarantino movie on, on either poll, right? It's yeah, and sure. It feels kind of strange to me, right? Because he's a pretty important figure. Give him 50 years. He'll, he'll, be, uh, yes, he'll be, yes, yes. Uh, but it's you know, it's it, what I noticed. I mean, there's just not a lot of straightforward, you know, narr- there's no action movies, right? On Spielberg's this. not on the list, and, uh, Spielberg is uh, so he's on the director's list because Jaws made it on there, but Spielberg's not on the critics' list, right? And it's like Spielberg's great, I mean. He just knows how to make a narrative movie that mm-hmm. engrosses people. And what we noticed in this theme was there was a lot of movies that we've experienced that are more, um, what we might call meditative cinema. And I think 2001 mm-hmm. falls into this where it is Kubrick, what he does in, in, in huge sequences, right? Somebody pointed out that the last line of the film is said when. Um, Dave is watching the mission video as he's turning mm-hmm. Hal off. That's the last spoken dialogue in the film. And there's there's mm-hmm. at least 35 minutes left at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and, and Cooper creates this space for And the same audience. thing, by the way, in the
2: beginning. There was yes, there's no line spoken until 25 minutes in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and and so he creates these this space on either end, and I think in these sequences in the middle uh uh, uh for, the viewer to just kind of enter into meditatively right that's mm-hmm. uh and and obviously if a bunch of hippies were taking acid and going to see this movie they that was part of their own experience <laughs> meditation is it <laughs> and, and well I, just kind of,
2: I i don't know the li- go ahead finish your. no no go, no, ahead. go ahead go ahead
0: i, I mean that, that's well kind i don't of know what's on your list
2: i don't know what's on their sight and sound list um i don't generally go in for meditative films that have lost the plot i mean I yeah. guess the closest other one I would go for, and I really love this film, is Terrence Malick's uh, The Thin Red Line. Really love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. love it. So it's it's got a little bit of plot, but it's got a lot of non-plot. Matthew's now Malick's other
1: is Malick's Tree of Life. Yeah, so, so, so yeah. I was going
2: to say Malick's other stuff is a little too far in that direction for me, right? So Tree of Life is a little too not sure. enough. And then you can go even further with some of his other stuff. It's like, well, dude, there's no plot at all.
3: So, but I think That's true
2: I I think with Kubrick The reason I make an exception for Kubrick Is um, probably for the same reason I was talking about symbolism And I'm not saying Malick doesn't do it But I don't think he does it as well as Kubrick Mm. I think Malick's a little bit more right-brained where he's just kind of like flying by the seat of his, he shoots like these billions yeah. of hours and then just kind of edits it and it's beautiful. And it's like, Oh yeah, this, you know, I don't think he's got everything tied down. I, I honestly think Kubrick was, was so tight in his presentation yeah. that he has some symbolism and meaning not just in this film, but in every film. I don't think that yeah. Kubrick himself understood everything that he was doing, right. but I think he had a reason for it. And yeah. there was nothing that happened without a reason. And yep. because of that, I can handle his meditations uh, because they they have a plot within them that if you pay attention, you can still find it. So going all the way from the dawn of man to the dawn of man again Right. Because he calls it the yeah. dawn of man. I'm not being no,
0: no. Yeah yeah. 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 I'm
2: not being ancient here, but he calls it the dawn of man at the beginning <laughs> of the film. And at the end, it's the same thing with the star. Child. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's happening again. Right.
0: It's forever. And it's the rewarding. same music cue. Um, so he's
2: he's working. He's working a plot. He's just yeah. he's taking. But in between the visuals, yeah. there's not a bad visual in the whole film.
0: <laughs> no. And, and I think that's what what. You know, for me, the kind of meditative cinema that I'm really interested in, which is not everything. Like I'll watch, I'll watch anything, and I also whatever I, li- I like movies, so I'm watching stuff. But sure, um, you know, I like Tree <clears throat> of Life, and and why I can hand I can handle the Malik stuff because the visuals are so appealing. Oh, they're gorgeous. Yeah, he has such a, a, a an eye for composition, and and I agree with you. I think he is he is kind of a wild director in that he'll do, he'll, he'll just take, Oh, this is pretty, let's get this at this moment yeah. and then put it in and not, you You're know, like, what's why? the It's like, it doesn't, it. Doesn't it's like I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It yeah, pretty. He, he said in an interview, he was working with the um, criterion on a Blu-ray special edition of the tree of life. And he, mm. the, you know, certain Blu-ray players have the, have the ability to randomize, um, the chapters you know you can click random and it'll just play the movie and malik wanted to put all of this extra content from his footage of tree of life onto the blu-ray and then let viewers watch a randomized version so every time they'd watch the film it would be a different experience and and it's like that's the the anti kubrick uh, <laughs> oh that's for sure <laughs> this, this guy too, right? so, so, yeah 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 uh this is like so tightly controlled
2: oh yeah but- see but i'm with kubrick i i, I can't help
0: it <laughs> yeah I, I love i love malik
2: and i love the thin red line but yeah. I, I just if i'm really honest and i love his visuals but it's like yeah. what did what was that one that came out a couple of years ago and i'm sorry i forgot the name of it but i In own life it. and yeah. yeah so it was so pretty it's his prettiest film yeah. i think yet oh yeah but we the thing that it. i kept saying was like you had scene after scene people standing around in a half circle talking in a way that no Sometimes they were talks. dancing,
1: all right, I mean <laughs> They, but they're, they're talking in ways that nobody
2: ever talks, like not even a little bit, right? It's it's like the opposite, opposite of Springsteen, you know, who writes songs the way that people talk, or at least feels uh-huh. like he writes the yeah. way people talk, you know? Malik is writing things in ways that people would never talk, and it's like, I don't know, at some point I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit much for me, but I can appreciate it. So. For sure. <laughs> And I and I definitely I watch everything he releases. So it's not like I'm going to turn. Yeah, it away. yeah, oh yeah. And the Thin Red Line really is one of my favorite films. I well, think he, and, I think oh, it oh,
0: bullseye either. And, and, it and even the th- Thin Red Line, you you listen to interviews with some of the actors that filmed stuff on there, and they were like, "I thought I was the star of this movie," and then he cut out right. all my scenes. <laughs> yeah,
2: I heard that. Yeah,
0: turns out the <laughs> star was like a butterfly that landed on a leaf once. <laughs>
1: right. That's the real. And it was
2: the trees. <laughs> it was the trees. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah.
1: It, that was just one of the things we noticed on that list was it was a lot of movies that like they aren't meditative for meditative sake but like obviously packed with plot as well but they had this breathing room that i think appeals to like people who watch a lot of movies and have seen s- seen this plot or this uh trope enough times that's like here's yeah. this gift of a different experience that still like has symbolism has meaning but has gives you the gift of like time to think about what you're actually so i
2: i actually enjoy that what i don't want to do is do that alone you know what i mean i want to have someone in the room with me at that point because it's like at that point there needs to be a conversation and that's what i'm saying with tarantino is like at least with or scorsese at least with those cats i can do both i can do in the room or by myself kubrick is right on the edge there and it depends on which kubrick film yeah it does for sure yeah but, yeah. but I'm saying, you know, even if you do Full Metal Jacket, I can watch that alone, but I prefer it to be with friends and, or Clockwork Orange. I can watch it alone, but I'm much, it's so dark comedy. Yeah. I prefer to laugh with friends, right? Yeah. And okay. so, but uh, do you guys it, want to mention Solaris? Did you guys know that it was the, did you know Charfowski Yeah. did Solaris in response to 2001? He's like, really? that guy. I'm going to do, oh, yeah. I'm going to do he my hated version. It 2001. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hated it.
1: Oh my gosh. I've always seen Stalker and I think uh Ivan's Childhood and Mirror from Tarkovsky.
2: Really? Ones. Okay, so I like I like Solaris better than all those. Well, I I've, okay. I've, I've only seen two of those
1: other. Is it is it is it a little bit quicker paced than those other ones? Like, uh, a little, like I just
2: like the atmosphere.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So
2: I've seen it 3 times and um, That's a great
1: double feature. 2001 and Solaris.
2: Well, you better Block. If you're going to watch with me, you better block out an entire day. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So um, I picture you like, trying to watch Lord of the Rings Extended <laughs> Edition. It's like, all right, we're taking a week on this.
2: Yeah, but like 2001. <laughs> if I take my time, it's going to take me five hours. So, <sighs> so Solaris is for me anyway. I know we got to get off here, but Solaris for me is 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 all about the atmosphere, and it's a yeah. it's a beautiful film. I, it's one of those movies I can walk into and I can
1: forget myself. You know, my yeah. library's got it on Blu-ray, so I'm going to check it out.
0: It's mm-hmm. it's on. Uh, HBO. HBO is yeah. the best, man. No, not the remake, right? <laughs> no, no. This is the original. Oh, is God, on no. HBO Max and Criterion. W- one um, last
1: quick plot point thing I want to throw your guys away and see your reaction. For for me on this rewatch in two thousand one. Like, the most emotional I felt was when Hal was dying.
2: Mm. And yeah, we like, didn't even oh. touch on it. We need to touch on ah. it. Now.
1: Yeah. So, like, uh, Dave shuts him off. Like, he, he gets back in through some human ingenuity. And uh, who knows if that would actually work. If you, I don't know how space works. It, it would work. work. It would work. Yeah. Interesting, because mm-hmm. the magic school bus told me that you would just freeze to death right away. Nope. So. Um,
2: no, they didn't know at the time if it would work. And now we know that you can you can you can survive for, uh, wow. you know, a few seconds to to a minute.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. He he called he's just calling his shot throughout this whole movie. Um, but Dave gets back in and he's able to uh get to Hal's like mainframe, you know, and start yeah. sh- shutting it's off. It's such his-
2: a beautiful scene. All yeah. the red. Yeah. Oh, just- oh my
1: gosh. But it, it's also like I was struck by how sad I felt for this a- deceptive AI yeah. leading to this human please don't do this like mm-hmm. you're killing <laughs> me you know right and, and yeah it was just like the, the the most emotion not that i like that i felt but also that was expressed from something on the screen throughout the whole movie was the ai to me
2: see Tarkovsky would probably pat you on the back because that was his criticism was that there's no human emotion in 2001
1: interesting but, but it's and but so I the emotion kind you're of referring the
2: point to would be ai it is the yeah point. Yeah. It, there's only-
0: a flatness to all of the human characters.
2: Oh, no, no, there's certainly the. it was on purpose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah.
3: <clears throat> and honestly, okay.
2: if if I can take just a side note, we can come back to that. But yeah. One of my one of my main like one of the so I like all the space movies, Ad Astra, I like Interstellar. I thought about um, Ad Astra a I, lot. Yeah, I even I even kind of like Arrival. I just like good space films, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but my main criticism is that all of these guys at the end of the day all of them go back to the, you know, the father-daughter relationship, the mm. drama, the drama of some kind of interpersonal relationship, of some kind of love lost or
3: something. Right. And
2: I'm like, dude, Kubrick did this without touching all that stuff. There's right. no romance. Yeah. There's no dad-son, dad-daughter. There's He didn't need any of those things. And yeah. I'm not saying that those things are wrong, but every For movie sure. gets us that. Every single film you watch has got all that through the top and bottom, saturated it. The space is
1: just the like background environment for it is. It just just happens
2: to be, it's like, yeah, you could put this story anywhere, you can put on a boat, you know? Yeah. But, but I love, but, anyways, we can get back to the execution of how. No, I think that's
0: such a good point of just, and and that how relationship is such a central part of why this works and the uniqueness of it. Like, it is, I don't, this is a unique uh, thing and certainly cutting edge to 1968 to be basically yeah. an exploration of these two emotionless humans and their emotional AI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and I mean, other than, other than when on the moon mission, the guy does the early FaceTime call with his daughter on her right. birthday. <laughs> on um, a house screen. <laughs> yeah. Who, who yes. is
2: Kubrick's daughter, by the way.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. You know, is there, there is, there is no, even not to a family or or emotional connections beyond the immediacy of what's happening. And and There's it's a great cold,
1: like removal from even like their mission. It's like, why is this mission important for humans? And yeah. it's like, oh well, we we just gotta know what's well, going I'll on. i tell
2: you there. what i tell you what this does this this requires and a lot of people can't do this, but it requires the audience to invest mm. to invest yeah. from themselves into the film. Kubrick says so little about what's going on. Yeah. And he shows his hand so little that yeah. if you want to have an experience, you as a viewer have to invest.
1: You That's have to thing work. You Matthew says on the pod often. Is yeah. just you you get out what you put into the movie that you go mm-hmm. and see. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, <laughs> people are wary <laughs> to do.
0: <laughs> and and that was that. You know, I don't know. I just I think it's great. And I think that is my encouragement for folks is like if you it, put this on and then and then kind of lean into it. And, you know, if we because i just think it creates such a great experience and space for considering all of these things. Yeah, and i would i would encourage people to watch it with friends.
2: You yeah. know, i i put it on instagram today but i mean it like you should throw a 2001 space party, get friends together. <laughs> and you know, some of the people are going to make dick jokes, whatever. We, that's happened with us before where one of the guys couldn't stop talking about the the uh the shuttle looking like see a penis i involved. thought it was uh, more,
1: i thought it was more spermy than it was penises <laughs> but, you know <laughs> no well, when, their their pod, own. <laughs> when the pod
2: goes into the uh when the pod goes into the uh monolith
0: yeah uh, okay, it's it's
2: yeah. a white head with a tail so that
1: <laughs>
0: yeah see yeah well, you know, put put uh, the opening credit sequence from Doctor Strangelove on and you know, oh, you the know, same thing. Uh, but anyway, <laughs>
2: throw a party, throw a party and and enjoy yourself have a have a whole evening and enjoy yourself. Make some yeah. food, make some food, have a couple of drinks if you drink, and oh and enjoy the thing. Don't expect to understand it. That's yeah. another mark of a really good film. And Tarantino's mm-hmm. this way for sure. Yeah. and uh, so it's Scorsese, at least for me. Yeah. Is that I've always enjoyed their movies the second or third time more than I did the first time. Always, yeah. every single time. Same thing with Kubrick. It's always the second, third, fourth, fifth viewing that I'm like, whoa, this is so fun. This is so amazing. Yeah, And that's the sign of a really good filmmaker, in my opinion.
1: I feel like that's my, like I sent you my top 10 list for this year Mm -hmm. just on Instagram, but I feel like that's my barometer for making that list is like, how much have I thought about this movie since after, after seeing it? Like, how long has it stuck around with me and kind of popped in my head? And I'm still considering it, you know, versus like fell
0: out of my brain tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that, that's uh, again, similar to me. I mean, I, (laughs) uh, even a movie that's kind of as dumb as Barbarian. I certainly had me thinking about it oh, for days. I'm going to see it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I'm, I'm
2: looking forward to seeing it again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're not ready to be mean, I mean dumb in a very affectionate way. But I, I mean, like War.
2: I so like War. And now I'm, yeah. I'm starting to like it less than I used to. Uh, yeah. But certainly through my 30s, I loved War. Loved mm, it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's interesting because I, I think in some ways, 2001 – The house sequence gets lumped into this. Oh, yeah. It's like horror adjacent, right? It is Uh, for sure. Without being, without using any of the tropes. I mean, I think that's what's so great about. Kubrick is he's he, he plays in these genres and it, it still feels so distinct but it's, it's just mm-hmm. great
1: Um, Sam at the end of our episodes we do these segments just like little yeah. extra tidbits about the movie we just have a couple for you, you, you the first one is that we always ask is the, if there's a single favorite shot from the movie for you I know it's really tough for a movie like this when like every shot could be that but we always like to ask if there's a, a single favorite shot that sticks out in your head. Single picture, you might say. I don't know
2: that I. I don't know that I could provide that for you. I mean, there there are even images that I'm thinking about in my head that I wouldn't even know how to particularly how to describe. describe them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. the thing is that Kubrick. Yeah, I mean, the one he's got on the screen is one of my favorites. But um, which how do you describe that? what is it? he's walking through? I mean, he's clearly on the on the, the Discovery, I think, a and hallway he's yeah. in the, in the yeah. shuttle. Uh, but uh, that was Dave Bowman, right? By the way, yeah. But, this is Dave. So so one of the things that, I, like I told you guys, Kubrick was a photographer. Yeah. And and visually, I don't know that there's anybody that competes, at least on this film, with what he was able to do with the equipment he had. Yeah. No CGI and just shot after shot after shot and how perfect it is. And the, the symmetry and the beauty and the, the angles and all that, the yeah. lighting – like yeah. even even the hotel room where he chose to delight. he he chose to light the hotel room from the floor with these yeah. grids and yes. I'm like I want to walk in that room I want to like I want to live in that room but it
0: has bit, you know? such a distinct effect on oh, how amazing. you perceive yeah. that room. there's Mm -hmm. something washed out but also heavenly like right it's so
1: weird that's actually one of mine is when the first when the first kind of moment the monolith is in that room Mm -hmm. and it's like kind of a wide shot it's like back here and then it's an old man you know the old man in the bed reaching up but reaching yeah yeah but it's not the one where it's like kind of tighter shot it's like now the monolith is here it is confronting you (laughs) like after this whole like journey from donna man to about to be reborn it's it's like you're confronting death and life and god and aliens it's like (laughs)
2: yeah what about you uh matthew you have a favorite shot
0: yeah uh, the one that i put i mean i agree i mean i think you could throw a dart at this movie and you're gonna pick a shot that i love to me uh, obviously this is kind of a a standout one and a classic shot but i love the and, and you you can't see on the zoom uh because they but the 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 way that the colors kind of, he plays with the colors of the blacks and the whites with this orange jumpsuit, and then it kind of all look bleeds the lights together. Too. And he's, oh, he's yeah. got lights
2: around every five feet. He's got a,
0: looks like some kind of LED light, right? And oh yeah, and the but the entire image is kind of then tinged in this orange red, Mm -hmm. and it is you know kind of all all moving to this point on the horizon, and there is this you know he's still doing the grip shoes, you know, you know Mm -hmm. almost floating things. There's such an otherworldliness to it, and and he's touching the
2: ceiling and all that, yeah,
0: and he's reaching right. It's it's. I don't know there's there's something about this that's there's a simplicity to it but then you stop and you pause it and you're like oh there's nothing simple about this shot um oh no if you had
2: we'll, we'll let Mitchell do
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead Mitchell. Uh, yeah go, we're gonna go let you design, design something oh yeah because
2: it looks simple is it simple
0: <laughs> no you know there's, there's nothing simple about the set or the composition or any of these elements yeah. and a lot of I the movie feels effortless which is yes. amazing yeah, there's an effort, effortlessness to it. And I just, I was really caught by this shot. Um, that both the, cause you see it, this is often the image used when people will do an article about this movie or something, but, but the mm-hmm. movement, there's a, the, I think it, I don't know if he does it, um, in a handheld, if the camera's handheld or something, but there's like kind of a floating aspect of the camera following Dave through the tunnel. The whole thing is just pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. To me. I love it.
2: Yeah. I love all the spaceship stuff.
1: Also, one last one I'm bringing up. Is just the the close up of uh, Dave. Yeah. Oh, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, and like kind of the different flickering lights that are on his face. You know.
2: Oh, is this when he's going through the Stargate or when? Do you remember? Well, so,
1: so they, he like repeats this motif. Like one, it's him without his helmet talking to Hal. Like and mm-hmm. he's just got those like cold. Yeah. Just yeah. like and the lights are flashing on him, and it's staying on him for a while. And then there's another one where I think he's taking it like shutting how often it's like him in bathed in the oh, red with the helmet I,
2: that's one of my favorite scenes
1: oh my gosh and then the, the red, last one the
2: immersion in the blood and
1: all that. oh happened. yeah oh yeah and then the last one is hit him like being able like not being able to even handle the the
2: and it's still shots it's just his it's just frozen still shots isn't it i think it is
1: Oh, and they're just where like shaking. Face is like, yeah, yeah, and I think it's like it still shaking. Sucks. I might be wrong, but I, again, I don't know. You think it just oh, that just his face looking down at you for a while, and you get bored. But there's there's the confrontation, and well, then the like rebirth that's happening.
2: You know, Mitchell. I mean, you're a designer. Like, think about the the little room, whatever you want to call that, the um, where where Hal's, uh mainframe is is held. Oh yeah. I mean, it would be hard for me to know how to build that thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well,
1: even the the amount of camera tricks that he does in this where it's like, you know, someone will all of a sudden be walking up the wall and you're like, mm-hmm. dude, how are you doing this? But so <laughs> many things
2: these days are done with CGI tricks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where just, right. They just like – but he did all this literally visually and it was you – know, well, of course it pays off, but – so what's your next, what was your, your next part? You said you have a couple of different things you asked at the end or something.
1: Um, I mean, we a- already know this, but so there's this app called Letterboxd, which is, you know, it's just for cattle like diary entries of movies you've watched and you can write reviews, you can rate them. So we always, you know, whatever movie specific episode we're doing, we do our Letterbox review, like how, out of how many stars would you give the film? We all know it's probably a five out of five for all of us. Mm-hmm. We could go higher if we could. And then, Matthew, is there anything else? I know there's a couple for us. That's like what else you've yeah, been yeah, watching or yeah, yeah, yeah. something, or recommendations.
0: But yeah, I mean that, that's it, kind of our last one.
2: My recommendations or your recommendations?
0: Just other stuff you've been watching that you know like, you might recommend. Yeah, what was you've the last thing? That,
1: yeah, what was the last thing you watched that you you really
0: liked?
2: Oh yeah, so the last thing. Well, this is a second watch though, so I okay. bought it. I bought oh, it in one of those four ninety nine specials. <laughs> uh, it's a low budget sci-fi called prospect. Ooh. I don't even know the actors' names. Have you guys seen it? Prospect. No prospect. Oh, it's great. You gotta see you gotta see it. It's low budget, but it's it's oh. really, it's really well done for the for the little amount of money they threw into it. Yeah. I mean they spent more money on the famous actor who I can't remember his name, but he's uh I think he's Latino or
0: Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So uh it's a great film. I loved it. I thought it was it was one of those where I could just kind of get lost. It, I don't know how yeah. long is the movie? It probably took me three hours to watch it,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's, it's like a short, it's like 20 minutes. <laughs> no, that's all. Awesome. So yeah, uh, uh, that's why I love the that segment. i just like, yeah, I've never heard of this. Now it's on my watch list. Going to check it out.
2: I think you'll like it. I mean, it's not 2001, but it's just a good. It's a great premise, great story. There's there's no mistake. There's no mistake in it. You know,
0: Um, Mitchell, you got anything that you? Yeah, if you guys want to
2: recommend something, I'm all ears. I've already got Mitchell's top ten list. I'm going to move through. Um, (laughs) One of my things is y'all like. Okay, can I say one other thing, or is that cool? Oh yeah, no, no, (laughs) please. You guys, did you guys see the original Suspiria from 1970? I think the the Italian. Okay, well, I I saw it. I, I loved it. So it's all atmospheric. Yeah. And then I watched the remake and the critics hated the remake. But when I watched the remake, I was like, oh, this is just a different movie. It just happens yeah. to share the name. Right. Yeah. But it's an extremely visual film. Yeah. And I watched it on my old cinema. So that I've decided oh, that's yeah. going to be the first film I watch on a new <laughs> cinema, which is going to be 140 inches. So, so I'm when are you
0: the- when is opening
2: day? When's the premiere? Man, I'm working on my basement as much <laughs> as I can. I'm, I'm hoping to have it done by July or July. August of oh, this year. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. It's there. it's it's a matter of money and just time. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure.
2: <clears throat> I'm I'm doing my entire basement. I'm finishing it. Yeah. It's twenty it's about twenty four hundred square feet. So I got oh I got a lot gosh. of work to do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work
0: to do. No kidding. That's amazing. Okay, that's great. Mitchell, you got anything you've watched recently you want to recommend? Yeah, that you want to recommend, please. I watched After Sun, but oh, it's man. it's only available
1: for rent and it's kind of expensive. Um it's all right, it'll come out. That was, uh, yeah, that's really good. It's just like a, a, I mean, I know we talked about this, but it's a dad daughter movie, but it's kind of this VHS footage, like trying to re- recollect, uh, Holiday with her dad when she was a kid. And, and it's son. just, yeah. And it's yeah. just, is it like, a drama? Yeah, it's just gut wrenching, but like yeah. it's really subtle. And so you got to be paying attention and like, Kind of give your stuff over to it, and then um, every New Year's Eve we do a double feature in our house. We do When Harry Met Sally, and then uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. So I don't know if you've oh, seen. Oh, Phan- really?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I've seen it twice. Uh, okay, actually, yeah. I just started the other day. I need to finish it. Yeah, so that'll and be number three for me. I just yeah. literally started a couple of days ago. I, I mean, but I love Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, you can't go. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's amazing. And, so that, that, that's our new year's.
2: There episode will be too. blood is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. our
1: Andy Squires episode. There will be blood.
2: That's, that's fitting for Andy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah. Very Andy. Very okay. he, he was ready. Uh, my, I, I love the the way Sam you preface this by saying I I love to hear recommendations of stuff I may have not been on my radar, but I'm gonna come in with the most populist picks of the day here. Uh, okay, I think right. on our I think on our last episode, I maybe had admitted to Mitchell that I had never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, okay. Right. D- did I admit that on the yeah, podcast? Which is yeah. very
1: off brand for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I that's I watched. I watched It's a Wonderful it. Life uh, over the Christmas break. And you know what? It's quite good. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hardly a Christmas movie. But Jimmy Stewart's so great. And I was just – I was struck by how immediately I got sucked into this this thing. And kind of the episodic nature of it worked really well for me. Um, and, and it starts with space. So, you know, it's relevant. It's, it's true. <laughs> it does start with space. With Clarence <laughs> up in the stars.
2: Yeah, it's so great. So realistic.
0: Uh, the <laughs> other the other thing is this is so this TV this is my new setup in our workout room. Not mm-hmm. not quite as nice as your future basement cinema, Sam. Um but I've been so I've been rewatching movies in 30 to 45 minute chunks as I work out in here. Mm-hmm. on this TV. And it's an Apple TV. So it just connects to my, my AirPod Bluetooth, you know, and uh I finished my rewatch of uh, Michael Mann's heat last night. Oh, yeah, and- sure. Heat's great. Heat is so great. (laughs) Well,
2: it's 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 got. We're talking Pacino and 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 De Niro, right?
0: Pacino and De Niro, and I mean, you can't. No, you can't go wrong. And one of the things that I was struck by in finishing it last night, this is you know, and Roger Ebert used to say this all the time. We watch movies to watch people who are great at whatever it is that they do. That's it. We don't want to watch people being mediocre. And he is like. The best bank robber and the best detective ever going. Yeah, to Yeah,
2: but you know what I told my wife the other day? I was like, "Baby," I said, "The thing that's not fair about film is everybody on the screen has a, a genuine charisma. If you met them in real life, uh-huh. they're charismatic. Uh, yeah. And in real oh, yeah. life, it's like one in a hundred. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's like most people we run into, they just don't have that charisma. But I, you know, I'll run into people occasionally that have charisma in, in my job, which I don't want to talk about. But when I do, like, I'll spend 10, 20 minutes with these people just talking." right yeah because so I'm just yeah. like they're just full of energy and yeah. whatever. but it, that's everybody on screen it's like oh, yeah. these
0: people are interesting people that's why they yeah. are on screen and, and Michael Mann boy a director that recognizes that and can leverage that so it's like that's what Mann does and he so rewatched it super super enjoyable movie as it turns out how many times have you uh, seen it I've seen he this is my third watch, I think. Yeah. Uh I think I've but, seen it
2: twice, but I own it, so I'm gonna see it again. Yeah.
0: I I, I got I picked it up on one of those 4.99. Deals. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> I did too. Yeah. And uh because for whatever reason that often gets in the rotation and it was a great movie to work out to. Uh I, I will say that, you know, that really there's a pace that's mm-hmm. good and so it's it's great. Anything else, Mitchell? Sam, if you want to tell people where they can find you, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, sure. If you if you want to listen to music and you're interested in checking me out. Uh, start with found you cause that's what people love, but don't let that one keep you out. Cause uh, a lot of the people, who are, a lot of people who are intellectual prefer Europa, but we're all, I'm, I'm on Spotify, Silicon boom. And, um, but I'll say one more thing guys to forget music. Have you all, have y'all watched uh, a story of film? No. Oh dude, no. you guys are going to, you guys are going to want to send me a thousand dollars each after this. I promise. <laughs> So there is oh, a series documentary called A Story of Film and Odyssey, and it's 15 to 16 hours long, and it is oh. brilliant. It is like film school. It is oh. brilliant. So I watched it when it was streamed on Netflix in 2012, and I've been like, okay, it's been 10 years, so I just went ahead and bought it. So it's like 50 bucks on. It's they don't run pro- they don't run specials on Story of Film. So you either if you're going to watch, it, you're going to pay yeah, for it. Sure. But you could you could buy a Blu-ray. But I yeah. promise you guys, you'll love it. It's okay. it's great. We're now there are, out. there are some, some moments that are a little bit slower, but this dude walks through the beginning of film up to at that time, the present day and talks uh, anyway. It's great. Might it's have to turn really it into an lef- episode. Well, it's, it's 15 hours long.
0: It was fifteen hours and we minutes. We could sum it up like, in like yeah, forty yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 yeah it's great. Much.
0: That's great. That's great. You guys okay. don't have to
2: send me any money, but you're gonna thank you're gonna thank
1: me. <laughs> we'll you send you an
0: iTunes gift card so you can get more four ninety nines. No, I'm gonna check it out. That's so great.
2: I've been watching it. Uh, I started watching it again the last couple of weeks, and I watch maybe 15 to 30 minutes every night. It's just so great. Oh, yeah, nice. that's cool. That's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Well,
1: Sam,
0: thank you so right. much for making hey, the time. Hey, thank you
2: guys for having this. I know that it probably went too long. You have to edit it, but
0: oh no, no, this, this is, is great, man. We so amazing. appreciate your time. Thanks for so, uh, uh, inspiring us to watch 2001. And on Instagram right. too, Silicon Boom, right? That's right, Silicon okay. Boom. Instagram, guys.
1: Mm-hmm. It's an amazing space album. So if you're gonna watch 2001, listen to the album as well. Give Sam. Yeah, why
2: a not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, give the album All right. a spin. All right. Thank thank you you so much, much, Sam. Sam. See ya. Have have a good one. You too.